thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Welcome. We're so glad you're with us today for Jesus the Healer, and we are so thrilled with the Word. And I know you're thrilled with the Word. That's why you're watching. Amen? And that's when the Word works for you. When you, uh, when you get thrilled with it, it becomes a living thing in your life. Amen. Uh, we've been, I, I would, well, before we start teaching today, I want to encourage you in something, and that is develop the spiritual habit of somehow taking notes of what God would say to you in a service or when you're watching something like this. I'm not saying that you have to take an entire outline. You can if you want to, but know this, that when you hear the word taught, um, there's answers in that word. Yes. Right. And sometimes while you're listening, an answer stands up to you. Yes. When that happens, at the moment, it be, it's so big in you, you think, I'll remember this. But you know what? It's easy to let it slip. Yes. So we, we invite you when an answer dawns on your spirit, you see something, that's my help. Write that down because you don't want that lost. Not only that, sometimes the answers that we hear are for a need we're facing right now. But sometimes you'll hear something and it will go off big in you and you go, I wonder what that's for. I don't face a need of that. It's because he's stocking the shelves for something that's coming. He'll give you your answer before a need ever shows up. Every time. He's in front. That's why the, the word says that he's made us the head yes. and not the tail. What's that mean? You're in front of things, not behind them. Yes. We are not the cleanup crew Come in this right. earth. Yeah. We, are, we are in the driving, the driver's seat for our life. We should be in front of things, not behind the devil, cleaning up messes, and then go from one mess cleanup to the next. We should be in front of of what God, of what God shows us that the enemy would like to try against us. We get in front of that. Why? Sometimes we can eat, we can get it aborted or sometimes we can just be fully prepared and it has no effect on us. That's what God intends. So he will put our answer in us before the need shows up. So sometimes when you're watching a broadcast like this, and something seems to stand out to you. Something seems to land in you in a strong way, but you go, I'm not sure why, because I don't have a need in there, that area. Take note of it. Amen. Write it down because something is going to come that you're going to already have your answer ready for. Right. Amen. Now we've been looking at something that I think is so important to us. And that's something that we need to recognize about our faith life. And that is God is going to lead you in a way that's going to put a demand on your faith. That's good. Yes. Yes. Amen. He's going to do what's best 
for your faith, not what's most convenient for your flesh. I've learned this about God, that it's, he's, convenience is pretty low on his scale. (laughs) He doesn't just tell us to do something because it's convenient. Amen. Amen. Um, Many times we will do something that's very inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Amen. That he'll direct us to do. But if we'll do that, there will be a great, great reward attached to it. Amen. Um, God sent Jesus all the way across the, the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee for one man, right. the yeah. madman of Gadara. Yes. Only man he ministered to. And then he got back in the boat and came all the way back. Was that yeah. convenient? No. No. Not physically. But what blessing is attached to it? And now we have the testimony of it. And how many people have been set free because Jesus was willing to inconvenience himself to obey God? And um, many times I've just found out that God is not going to prioritize at the top of the list our convenience. That doesn't mean everything we do is inconvenient for God. That doesn't mean that. But I'm saying we shouldn't set something aside just because it's inconvenient to us. Don't don't let convenience dictate obedience. Obey because he said, don't obey just because it's convenient. Amen. 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 And that's part of, uh, that's part of growing up spiritually. Amen. But God is going to do what is best for our faith because he is bringing us into where our faith will produce what Jesus's faith produced while he was on this earth. That's what that's what God intends to do. I love something when we read, you can read with me in second Thessalonians chapter one and verse three. Paul writes this and he said, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or as it is right, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Look at that. Your faith groweth exceedingly. That means that we don't just get to one place of faith and stop and say we've arrived. There is no ceiling on how your faith can grow. There is no ceiling on the strength of your faith, no limit to what your faith can lay hold of. Amen. Amen. So we want to have a faith that is growing. When our faith is growing, do you know what? Our spiritual life is developing. Yeah. Do you know that it takes faith to follow the plan of God? It takes faith to move with God. It takes faith to receive the inheritance that God made ours in Jesus. Amen. Amen. It takes faith to receive healing. It takes faith to receive prosperity. It takes faith to follow the leading of the spirit of how he's leading you. So uh, we need our faith. We need it strong. We don't want it weakened. We need it strong. Why? Because strong faith means a strong spirit. Amen. Amen. When the word tells us, um, and the amplified translation of a passage, I don't have the reference right in front of me, um, but it says the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily weakness and pain. Listen to that. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily weakness and pain. Well, what does that mean? That means when you're faced with something showing up in your body, 
your body is not the only place you have to draw out of. There's a spirit on the inside of you to draw out of. So make sure it's strong because then you'll be able to draw strength out of that body that will dominate what's trying to, you'll, excuse me, I said that wrong. You'll be able to draw strength out of your spirit that will dominate what's trying to go on in your body and bring that body back into line. Amen. It's strength that does that. Yes. Strength in the spirit of a man. When your faith is being strengthened and growing mm-hmm. and it's exceeding like Paul said, uh, then you have something to draw on in the face of emergency. You have something to draw on in the face of everyday needs. Yes. Right. Amen. 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 So we want our faith not just, just say, I have a measure of faith. I want it to be increasing growing in strength. Why? Because as it grows in strength, it can accomplish more. Can't a man who is stronger than a five-year-old child accomplish more in a day? Sure. Based on strength, we want our faith accomplishing, not just what it accomplished last year, but growing so it can accomplish more this year. Amen. Amen. And I like the wording here that we find in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, that your faith groweth exceedingly. I like that word exceedingly. What it means several things. One of the meanings is this. It will exceed a faith that's growing exceedingly will exceed every opposition that it encounters. Meaning this, the opposition will not exceed my faith if I keep it growing. Keep it growing. Feed it all the time. Make it part of my daily life to use and exercise that faith. How does our faith grow? Well, first of all, faith comes by hearing. So we have to hear the word, but it, the, the, the growing process is not done right. just because we heard, just because we heard a sermon. Once we hear, we must follow it up with the doing yes. of that word, yes. implementing that word. We're doers of the word. Jesus said it's the doers that are blessed, not the hearers only, right. the doers. Amen. You know, your children, you, you may tell them, you may tell one of your children, go clean your room and he heard you, mm-hmm. but he didn't do it. Right. He won't be blessed. (laughs) You might apply some blessing, but uh, no, the doing is where the blessing lives. Amen. And so the doing of the word is where strong faith lives. So we want our faith to grow strong. Um, I was finishing up the previous episode talking about that God is going to lead you to the front edge of your faith. Why? He wants to put a stretch and a demand on your faith. Why? So that you just keep growing. You keep reaching with him. You're not just trying to coast in your faith life because really faith doesn't, faith just doesn't coast. Faith is either growing or it's diminishing in strength. It's not going to be neutral. It's either growing or or it's diminishing. Why? Because faith is a living thing. Every day, your own physical strength is either growing or diminishing. Every single day. Faith does not remain in one place stagnant. Amen. It's either growing or it's diminishing in strength. So God is going to lead us to the front edge. He will will direct us to do something. Now, notice he'll lead us there. He won't make us. We have to agree to go with him into the stretch put on our faith sometimes. Amen. Amen. Now, most everyone that we see when we read accounts of different people, individuals who were healed under Jesus' earthly ministry, you see that he gave them something to do. 
He gave them an instruction. He gave them something to obey. Why? Because our miracle involves us. He will not work a miracle for us apart from us. It's going to involve us. The first miracle he did shows really the pattern of how miracles work. Remember, he was at the wedding Mm -hmm. there in Cana and um, they, his mother came, said they've they've run out of wine. And um, Jesus said, what's that got to do with me? And she put an expectation on him. (laughs) She put a demand on him. And she said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. So notice this, miracles are connected to God telling us what to do, something to do in connection with the, that need for a miracle. What did he do? He, he didn't tell them to do something they couldn't do. Right. He told them to do something they could do. That's right. Why? We do what we can do, then he does what we can't do. Right. So he told those servants, take these pots, water pots, fill them up with water. That was a big job mm-hmm. because um, they didn't have running water. And when you look at uh, the size of pots that he would have been dealing with from just commentaries on that passage have said that they were about 30 gallons in those pots. One pot, about 30 gallons it held. So that that was not convenient. So obeying God is not always convenient, but do you want a miracle? Yeah. It's not about our convenience. It's about our obedience. And so Jesus gave these people who received their healings under his ministry something to obey. He never told them to do something they couldn't do. Remember he told the 10 lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Mm -hmm. Just that's something they could do. But as they obeyed what he told them to do, divine power met their obedience. I love something that my husband used to make this statement all the time. He said... um, Obedience creates an atmosphere for miracles. Obedience creates an atmosphere for miracles. What's that mean? Our obedience brings the power of God into manifestation because obedience is an act of faith. And God's power meets faith. Now, Jesus always gave these people who received healings through his earthly ministry something to obey. Mm -hmm. Why did he do that? He was getting their faith going. He was activating their faith. Why? Because faith is an act. Faith is an act. For example, the blind man, he told him, he put mud on his eyes, remember? And then he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He could do that. Was it convenient? He's blind. He's got to travel. I don't know how how great the distance was to where where he was to where the pool that he was to wash in was. I don't know. It could have been around the corner. It could have been on the other side of town. It could be in another region. I don't know. But we know this, for a blind man to find his way to a certain location. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's make it easy for him. Bring a pot of water over here. Obedience will inconvenience itself for its miracle. Faith is not just looking to do what's convenient. It's looking to obey. So he told this blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. See, he gave him something to do. Now, think about it. Every step that man is making toward that pool, he's giving Jesus gave this man time to meditate on something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
when I wash this mud out of my eyes, they'll be seeing. My vision, I'll see for the first time in my life. So he's building his expectation, giving him a trip to make, however long that trip is. He's given this man something to focus on. Expect. What's he doing? Getting his faith going. He's expecting something. Would the devil have taken that same trip and given him something to doubt? Sure he would. He would have said, What's mud going to do to put vision back? What is that water going to do to restore sight? You've been in in and out of water your whole life. You wash every day. What's that going to do? See, what you decide to put your attention on is what you're going to expect. So Jesus gave this man time to expect time to release his faith. Every step was another act of faith. Yes. Every advancement yes. to the obedience of what was told, an act of faith. Amen. And what happened when he washed, the power of God met his faith. Amen. Why did Jesus give them something to obey to get their faith moving? Yes, that's yeah. Right. yeah. What about the man with the withered hand? Mm-hmm. He's in the synagogue and calls this man there's a man with a withered hand. He said, stretch forth your hand. Uh, what's he doing? He's giving him something to obey. He's getting his faith activated. When that man goes to act, he can't stretch forth the withered hand, but he can make the attempt. Right. And in the attempt, power meets that. What was Jesus doing? Getting his faith going. Amen. Why does God give you something to obey? Get your faith going. Why? Because he's wanting to meet you. Yes. And it, the power of God meets faith. Yes. So he gives us something to obey, not to trip us up, but to get our miracle to us. What about the lame man? Rise up and walk. How many times? There were several occasions. Take up your bed and walk. Why did he tell him to do something? He's getting their faith involved because the power of God meets faith. Amen. Uh, The rich young ruler, Jesus gave him something to obey. Right. He gave him something to obey. He said, uh, take everything you got, mm-hmm. sell it, give it to the poor. <laughs> he gave him something to obey that was going to take faith. Yeah. Right. And he rejected that opportunity yes. to do what was best for his faith. Why was he? He was doing what was best for his money. That's right. Amen. Doing what was best for his finances, doing what was best for his comfort. Not doing what was best for his faith. Jesus does not tell that to everyone. You understand? Don't take what Jesus told that man and say, Jesus telling you to do that. Um, Why did he tell that man to do it? Because Jesus said, you lack one thing. He was directing that man to do that based on what that man lacked. What did he lack? Mm -hmm. He lacked trusting God to be his provider. He was trusting his wealth to take care of him. Jesus knew that is a deceptive support. Because some things in life come along that money will not help you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus did not want him to be locked in to leaning on money. Notice a rich young ruler. Meaning this, he didn't have the experience of life yet. He was young. An older man might have recognized my money won't do me good at everything, but a young man thinks the money is the answer to everything. (laughs) 
Sometimes they think that because they haven't had all the experiences of life. But as you grow, you recognize it ain't all about money because I've got to, I've got to serve something big enough to deliver me and money will not always That's deliver right. me. That's right. Amen. Amen. So we see the rich young ruler told him no by walking off and not obeying. Now, um, was Jesus trying to get something from him? If he would have obeyed him, what happens if you sell everything you got and you obey God with it? He multiplies and restores and you get a harvest bigger than you ever had before. He'd have been far richer than he ever was before if he would have done it. And God was trying to do what was best for his faith. Don't kick back against following what God tells you to obey because he's got your faith in mind. Amen. Amen. He was employing their faith. He was trying to get their faith. And just like this rich young ruler, he rejected that opportunity to do what was best for his faith. Don't reject the opportunity to follow what God's telling you to do. He's trying to get you to the place where your faith is able to accomplish what it never could accomplish before you obeyed him. Amen. Amen. When your faith is active and engaged, you'll always receive. Amen. That's right. Amen. So he gives you something to obey to get your faith engaged. Yeah. Know this, your faith, my faith, our faith always needs a faith project. Yes, that's right. Always. 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 I'm not talking about we always have to have pain so we can be believing God for healing. No, I'm talking about something it's reaching for. Something out there that you're, that you're funding, something out there that you're agreeing with your man of God about, your pastor about. Amen. Amen. Always have your faith on something. As a family, you always need to be as a family, believing God for something for your family. Always something. Yes. Why? Because that's how you do what's best for your faith. Give it an assignment. Yes. Give it an assignment, a Amen. faith project. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Always have something you're believing God for. And once that is received, don't go, oh, that's over. And then you stop the momentum of your faith. No, have, your, have the next project ready. That's, that's huge to the momentum of faith. The momentum of faith is critical. What is the momentum of faith? A moving faith. A living faith, an active faith, a faith that's advancing. It's critical to your life. It's critical to the plan of God. So whenever I have a faith project that I'm doing, I always have another one lined up right behind it. I don't stop and rest my faith. My faith doesn't need rest. It needs movement. Yes, that's right. It needs an assignment. Your faith does not need to pause and slow down and you go, oh, now I can relax. No, don't relax your faith because God offers you more. Why relax when you could have more? Because relaxing of faith is not resting of faith. It's a diminishing of faith. That's right. It's a losing proficiency. Yes. You know, I have had people ask me because primarily um, when I talk about that, I, I, you know, I studied piano in college and, and mine was classical piano. You know, I, I can play by ear, but primarily it was, it was classical training. And people will ask me, can you still play those same things? And I go, it won't sound the same as it used to. Why? Because although I basically know this piece or I know how it sounds, 
I've lost proficiency because I don't take the hours to practice every day. I used to. So I've lost proficiency. You understand? Our faith can lose proficiency when we set it aside and don't use it. Always have a faith project. Now I say this to pastors. Always have your, your congregation on a faith project yes. as a church family together. Amen. Always. Right. When one is finished, pick up another one. Yes. Teach the people. Because uh, people say, well, I mean, we just finished this project. We just got this one paid off or just got this one finished. Let us just have a rest. That's not a favor to their faith. Amen. Teach the people the importance of having their faith constantly moving. Yes. And you know what? That's in line with the word because you know what Paul said? Always abounding in the work of God. Amen. Why do we always, if someone says, Pastor, why do we always have a project? Because we're always abounding yes. in the work Amen. of God. Right. Always. always. Why should your family always have a faith project? Because your family should always be abounding right. in the work of God. Because listen, right. you're always abounding in something, whether work or, or recreation. Right. Work, right. Producing or, or just uh, coasting. That's right. Amen. Assign your faith and the spirit of God will lead you into faith assignments. Amen. But if we don't put expectation on ourselves, then we, uh, we cause our faith to, to weaken. Parents teach your children to have faith projects. Don't just hand them everything freely. Now don't misunderstand me. Be generous with your children. Be generous, but don't let your generosity be a substitute for the development of their faith. Because you don't want to be so generous to them that they don't know what it means to have the experience of seeing God meet their prayers and God meet their faith. Amen. It's a joy. One of the greatest thrills in life is to lay hold of something with your heart. You know, I got it. I mean, I got it. And I've noticed this, that when my, my hand of faith lays hold on it, I'm rejoicing because it's true for me then, regardless of when it manifests. And it's almost sometimes like the manifestation seems anticlimactic because I was so thrilled at when my faith hand laid hold of it. Amen. Amen. It's a joy when it manifests, yes. but that wasn't my first joy. My first joy was in my hand of faith received it. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue a little bit longer on this series and you don't want to miss it. Join us next time because there's more to say. Go back and watch previous episodes if you yes. missed any of them. And remember this until next time. Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In Nancy Dufresne's classic book, The Greatness of God's Power, she teaches how God wants us to know His power that is in our direction. It belongs to us. We cannot live the life God authored for us without His power. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. This is Pastor Nancy Dufresne inviting you to join us in Murrieta, California at World Harvest Church for our annual Holy Ghost meetings. The dates are January the 5th through the 10th. We're inviting everyone to go to our website at DufresneMinistries.org and register. We look forward to seeing you there. God bless you.
In this classic book by Nancy Dufresne, The Healer Divine, we are presented with a study of the healings of Jesus. Your faith will be stirred to believe and act as the healed God has already made you to be. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.